Hello and welcome back to the Cafe Hustle. Today I'm talking to just Lena Rendauer of Noshta Cafe in Slough. And we're going to be talking about all the challenges that have been faced in starting a cafe in the middle of this pandemic. Jocelyna got involved in the hospitality industry after she agreed to help out a family friend run their kitchen in their hotel and it's now transitioned into a completely separate business that is run by Jocelyna and it serves a hotel as well as all its other customers. In today's episode we're going to be looking at how she took the opportunities presented by the closures of other businesses through the lockdowns, why there's so much power in Instagram in communicating the visual experience to your customers even before you launch and why your customer's first impression of your business is so important. Jocelyna has created a hugely successful business in such a short amount of time, and we're going to find out all about it after we get back from thanking our sponsors. Is training new staff members costing you huge amounts of money and only achieving inconsistent results at best? Trainual, with its easy-to-use platform, can significantly reduce your training costs whilst increasing consistency across your entire business through recording and documenting your repeatable tasks all in one place. Visit trainual.com and use promo code CAFEHUSTLE for a seven-day free trial and 10% off your first 12 months. So, Jocelyn, say hi to everyone, and let's start off with your quote or the thing that you live by that keeps you motivated. Hi, everyone. Um, so, I think the, the biggest thing that I live by, I would say, is that nothing is impossible, and keep, keep a positive mindset, keep positive, and positive things will happen. So, that's my main like daily thing that I live by and where did that come from what what drove that to be your main motivator uh so before I think I, I had kind of like a you know half halfway look um and I think since taking the risk of the cafe I've had a more positive outlook so since I've and I just feel like when I'm more positive and you know I feel I go for it good things keep happening so I think just, just go with it <laughs> and it's something you've so got think, to you've got to do in in our line of business isn't it it's not something that you can and especially when you throw in a global pandemic into the mix you can't sit back and wait for things to happen you've got you know, like you say you've got to go after them yourself so your backstory tell us a bit about how you ended up into the hospitality industry because it's very fairly recently that you was it June you started your cafe yeah yeah, so June, well, uh, just yeah, towards the end of May 2021, um, we started. So basically, um, a bit of my background, I've been working corporate all my life uh, for big, big companies. Um, and my last company I was working for was I was actually contracting for Google as a project manager. Um, and so I was on furlough um, 2020 during the pandemic. And um, I got an opportunity because um, my father-in-law, one of his friends, had taken over a hotel up the road. And um, they were looking for someone to do breakfast for the hotel when it opened. And I thought, well, I'm not doing anything. And the furlough was going on. And um, so I thought, you know, I don't mind helping out. I'll do it. So uh, they kind of said to me, well, you know, create a menu. Like, let's see what you got, you know, what ideas you have and everything. So I created a menu. I've always had an interest in food and cooking and my family have always like been into it so we was like creating new things and adding our little touch to everything you know um so I yeah so I developed a menu uh, I showed it to them and they were like okay this looks looks good and then I just like developed the recipes practiced them um over the lockdown um so I was perfecting the recipes and everything 
And then I started decorating the, it was supposed to be a hotel breakfast only. And I don't know where from that it went to just a, a fusion cafe, which is its, its own separate business now. Yeah. So, um, it's, so it was in the same, was it in the same building? Yeah. So, so oh, yeah. there's a hotel and yeah. um, it's called the Langley Oak Hotel. And basically they, they wanted to like serve breakfast for their, for their hotel guests. And so I was going to run the hotel breakfast side. So yeah, from that, it just developed into my own brunch cafe with its own kind of identity and everything. And do you serve the hotel still? Yes, we do. Yeah, we do. Um, so we serve the hotel as well. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's, it's just grown. And like I worked on the branding during lockdown. Um, I had a really good branding designer. Um, and then, yeah, we just got started. It was literally just me, two people in the kitchen and one in the bar when we started. And now we have like 12 members of staff. So it's pretty, pretty good. Like we've come a long way. Yeah. So how did you develop your concept? What, tell me a bit more about the concept itself and how you developed it. So I think with the concept, it was more, so when I, um, when I go to like brunching or cafes, as a mum of, I'm a mum of three. So for me during the day, I used to have a lot of time, like when I was on maternity or anything like that, I'd want to go out for brunch with my friends. All the nice brunch places were always in London. And for me, living in the suburbs, like in Slough, it, it would take a good hour or so to go there, then come back, and it would just be quite a faff. And the thing is, locally, there wasn't really much to have, like brunch-wise. Um, so I think I was always looking for something, and I think I, f- I felt like there was something there that I could kind of, like, tap into the market. Um, and the thing with my brunch is it's a fusion brunch, so it's like you'll, you get your English breakfast, but I'll do, like, a take on... It, an Indian take on it so we get we have like masala beans and we have like um you know masala eggs and stuff so you know and people love that the little bit of spice into the breakfast um so yeah so that's how I kind of developed the concept thinking when I used to go and I was like you know there's nothing around here like it's so annoying and then I thought you know why not do something pretty so I've got a lot of florals in the cafe it's quite pinky um you know you can see pictures on the Instagram um and so you know I wanted like a nice place where like mums could go and like take bring their kids and families and you know just people on maternity like how I thought of it so you know that's the kind of crowd we do get now and we get a lot of families on the weekend as well so that's how the concept came about and no one had no one does that where you get the twist on the Indian with the brunch yeah yeah so it came from in terms of so obviously for hospitality generally the pandemic has been it wouldn't be too much to say devastating for some businesses extremely challenging for everyone else you've gone down the route of of, and we were just talking about that being so brave and being out there you've gone and and said how what was that thought process like or was it more a case of you just slid into your own cafe through helping yeah I think it was just like uh I just literally I don't know it just worked out and to be honest I was still like carrying on with my job as well so I came off furlough and I thought oh you know I can do both of these things it's not gonna be that busy it's gonna be like a hotel breakfast fine but then like the first month or so we had a lot of um people like just coming through the doors and like really excited and you know we were really busy and I was like oh my god like I cannot do both things I cannot if I want this to work or I could potentially take it you know, I, I have to, so I left my job in the end. Um, and then, you know, I think it was just that people wanted something new 
And they'd been in lockdown for so long and not gone anywhere and you know, all the restaurants were closed. And I guess people had a lot of money saved up probably, <laughs> but they just wanted to go out and spend it. So we had a lot of people just like, you know, saying it's so nice, refreshing to come out and like after, after the new lockdown and be able to go somewhere nice locally. And it's so nice to have something new in town. So, what, so I think a lot of people. What was there in Slough? What was available to people before you came so along? So we had a Costa. We have a Costa, um, you know, you have your subways and like, you know, because I think Harvester used to do a breakfast, but they stopped because of lockdown and stuff. And, you know, you have a few other like, but it wasn't, you know, like a nice brunch place where you could actually take pictures because this whole Instagram culture as well. So we'd get, you know, people were like, take pictures and like take pictures of the wall, post it on the Instagram, tag us. And that's how we got a lot of the following and a lot of customers would say, oh, we saw you on Instagram. That's why we came. And you know, that's how it kind of grew. Um, so it's very organic the way it grew. And um, it, it was just like, I think a lot of people working from home as well. So they had that flexibility, which, you know, probably before anyone thinking of opening a daytime business, would be like, oh, why would you do that? Because everyone's going to be at work, it's going to be dead. But I think now every, like it's such a culture of most people working from home that they have that time and they pop in for breakfast or some people would drop their kids off and come in. You know, so yeah, so it, it kind of like grew like that. And uh, just touching on what you're saying there about Instagram and and the way that has shaped a lot of society now, and and it, it ties in nicely to branding, which I want to talk about next, really. But you've got to be in a position where visually you've got a spectacular cafe. From a food offer, you've got top quality food because that's where people need to. You compete on quality, don't you? It's not. As soon as you start competing on price, you're on a race to the bottom. But it is, it's all that whole package of that customer experience comes into it with, and like you say, it starts with that visual impact because that's what people see first. Yeah, absolutely. I think the whole customer experience, that was my whole thing behind it because I've been to quite a lot of places. I've dined out quite a bit, you know, and I've always thought to myself that, oh, um, I want to like create an experience for my customers. And I wouldn't serve anything that I wouldn't eat myself. So, and I'm quite a fussy eater anyway. So everything was literally like, um, so there'd be days I, I'd be doing the cooking as well, like personally. And then I'd train the chef and every dish that would go out, I'd check it, make sure and I'd show the staff this is how it needs to be. You know, I'd check the dishes before like we served them and just making sure the consistency is there. And then the customer gets the whole full experience. So like they love the decor, and then then I the, even the crockery I, I I purchased was like all kind of colourful and you know kind of went with the theme and I just yeah so it just kind of fit in really well together for Instagram purposes as they say um so yeah and everyone loved the food as well so it's it's, it's fine people come once just for the decor the food's not great they're not going to come again so the whole you know you want the return custom so the food is really important to me that was such an important thing that had to be perfect like you know, uh, that was really important to me. Yeah. Uh, like I say, it's the food or the drink, certainly what you offer, certainly as a cafe, people now are expecting the level and the quality of certainly coffee. So it's got to be there. Yeah, that's like, what, yeah, I got a coffee machine, like a fresh coffee machine as well, a proper one. So I invested in that because I thought, you know what, when you go, you want a proper coffee. You don't want like the kind of filter or whatever. So all that kind of, you know, I got trained on barista training because I, did, I didn't know anything about it before. So then I trained all my staff and um, yeah, so that's how we did it. Yeah, it is. It's like I, I lose count. Like my 
partner, she is, I think she pulls her hair out sometimes because the amount of places that we go in the past, certainly, and I won't go back because the coffee, just even if it wasn't right, maybe you give them a second chance, but usually it's that first impression, you're right, the visuals that brings people through the door and you have got to hook them there and then, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so um, just one more thing, actually, I'll add on to that. I also, um, so I kind of uh, have fresh cakes as well. So that's another plus point. But it's what I, what I did is when I first started, I kind of approached um, on my, through my Instagram, small businesses who are local around the area who wanted to supply cakes to us. Um, so now I have um, two or three suppliers who supply me with fresh cakes um, like every few days. Um, so a lot of people come in because of that as well, uh, because I knew I couldn't, I didn't have the capacity to bake in store. Um, so I, so I've approached, so there's a few like um, their mums, their, their mums as well, like me, small businesses just from home. And they were so happy to like actually be able to do something after the pandemic. Um, so it's just nice to like give that little bit back as well. So I always kind of post on my stories about them and these are my suppliers and stuff. So they've had a lot of like traction and orders because of that as well. So it's just nice, like having that little kind of community thing as well. Yeah, it, you see it now more and more and more. It's the community side of running a cafe is, I think it's underestimated by a lot of people. You have people that are all about getting people through, turning them around, getting them out the door again, and they miss out on what essentially cafes are replacing pubs. I think not completely, but there is an element that people now go and meet up over a coffee and it's it's creating that community feel and like you say you're using artists or home bakers small businesses that are it's customers pick up on that element of you're tapping into local produce local products local businesses and it all fuels the the feel of of your business so let's talk about <clears throat> let's talk about branding because you said you worked with um with a company was it that helped you set up your branding talk me through what that looked like what lessons you learned from going through that process um so that process was actually really good so the lady i worked with her name's bindu she's got a company called chocotee so she she's um she's a, another mom as well small business from home as well and she basically i found her through instagram because one of my friends had used her um and uh you know, I, I have approached a few companies for branding, but um, some of the prices are ridiculous and they were just literally, and I was like, oh my gosh, is this how it is? But then when I spoke to Bindi, she was so nice and, you know, she was really reasonable and she understood what, what I was trying to go for. And I felt that was so important. She was on the same page as me. And then we had like, um, she was so thorough. So we did like a proper like mood board. We did uh, market research into the kind of customer base um you know the ideal customer we we literally create an ideal customer um uh, everything was done very thoroughly and i feel like that's kind of reflected in the branding now so a lot of people like the biggest compliment i get is that your branding is so good um you know the colors and everything because i wanted that kind of like bright vibrant you know um suitable for families and a lot of people think oh guys aren't going to come like you know men won't they'll avoid it but you'll be surprised we get groups of guys and men as well like coming through the door and um you know, so it's kind of like worked out really well in that sense because the branding, I feel we really hit the nail on the head. And I think that, um, you know, I ex I had exactly what I wanted in my mind. So I think that's really important as well, that you need to know exactly what you want and who you want to target. Um, so that was really important for me. Um, and I think like, 
yeah so it, it just worked out that way and so, you know and just yeah, talk me through so, so how did you did you like I know with certainly businesses and certainly with developing the podcast I work on developing an avatar which is the per, the the customer the you're personifying who your market is is that the approach you took or did you go more of a broad approach to that no I, that's the kind of uh, way I went I actually had like a you know a, a personified it as well um you know and but I, I wasn't expecting to have all this other variation of customers come through so um which you know has been amazing um that we've managed to like tap into loads of different markets so you know, like we have uh, families come in with like their grandparents and they've got their kids with them. So you have like three different generations coming in together because we cater for everybody. There's something for everyone. Um, so it's just so nice to have that as well. So it's not just the mums and stuff who I originally thought would come through the door. It's like everybody. Like you'll get like older generation women coming with their friends to have like, you know, a breakfast with a cup of tea and stuff. So it's just so nice, like, you know. And what have you what have you done to cater for that range of customer? Because obviously you focus on that one person who is your main ideal customer. How how did you approach changing or adjusting your offer to to suit that situation? So I think it's just the menu. So the menu that I've gone for it's kind of uh, quite varied, and there's different Indian elements in it as well. Uh, but there's like uh, so you know like traditional Indian breakfast as well. We've got in there. Um, which a lot of the older generation, for example, my grandparents would still eat that uh, for breakfast now. But it's nice for them to kind of, but it takes a lot of effort. So it's nice for them to have something local where they can just pop in and have that. So I think, um, but our generation also enjoys that sort of food. So it's kind of like, you know, it's it's family food, kind of like um, what we've been brought up on, like as a, a, in my culture. Um, and I felt that I couldn't get that anywhere. So that's why I wanted to create something where, everyone could get that so yeah so I think that's where they've kind of seen they've loved the food the taste of it you know because it's where everyone says to me it's like homemade like like it tastes like it's at home um that's the biggest like compliment we get so and sorry who was it you worked with on that and we'll make sure we mention them in the show notes um her name is Bin Bindu and um, a company's called Chocotty well yeah we'll make sure because like you say it's <clears throat> it's so expensive when you go down the route of trying to if you outsourcing your branding to work with someone like that, it makes it, it makes a huge difference. So we've talked about sort of developing the concept. What's the biggest challenge you faced in actually getting yourselves to the point of opening the doors? Um, so obviously with the pandemic, so originally we were supposed to open December, 2020, um, because August is when I kind of like started everything and, you know, um, you know, started the bubble rolling. Um, but then obviously uh, we had a massive, obviously the pandemic got really hit hard here in December. So then that kind of put us in another lockdown. So we had to push it back. So we pushed it to March, I think. And then again in March, it was still locked down. So that was like, okay, that's not happening because we went back into one, I think. It was just up and down. And then eventually they said, okay, restaurants will probably be opening in May. And so then we thought, okay, well, May will be our actual open date. I started the Instagram a bit earlier just to kind of get a bit of a buzz going and stuff. Um, but then, yeah, I think that was the biggest challenge was just the uncertainty of when we could open, when we could not. Because some people said to me, oh, why don't you just open and just open for outside or just open for takeaways or deliveries? And I was kind of like, well, no, because I don't want people to try the food for the first time on a takeaway or delivery because it's not the same. 
Yeah. And then, um, so I waited it out and waited till the end of May, towards the end of May. Um, and I think, yeah, so that was the biggest challenge. It was literally six, seven months before we could actually open from the opening original date. So, um, yeah, that was, that was a bit of a challenge. And were you still working in your other job at the time? Or did yes, you, I was. You did. So you still well, had I was, a, in, I was on furlough. Yeah. yeah. So you still had some sort of income coming in. So you mentioned, and I'm going to touch on it briefly, the build up. So you were obviously started the Instagram account a little bit earlier. What sort of things did you do to, what was building that anticipation for your, your future customers? What, what did you do? What sort of things did you try out? Uh, so when I was, um, I, I did a, a photo shoot of the, of all the dishes I'd cooked. So I took, um, photos of them and we, and I posted them, um, but I was posting like one at a time, just kind of showing what we're going to be offering, things like that. Um, just to kind of, you know, get people, you know, excited. So it just, it was just to my personal community, like friends and stuff like that. Um, and yeah, so that's how, like, that's the way I started. I had the website ready as well. So we got to, cause obviously it was locked down, got to work on that, like with people over zoom and things. So, so it's in a way it kind of worked out as well, having the extra time because I got to do extra things, which I probably would have been rushing if I'd opened in December. Um, so that's why I believe, you know, everything kind of happens for a reason as well. You know, so it kind of worked out like the website was all there, like everything was there. Um, the only thing I didn't anticipate, to be honest, was like booking systems. So I just thought, yeah, it'll be a case of like walking in and people, you know, it was just a cafe kind of vibe. But then we got really inundated and I'd get phone calls like well, once we opened, like midnight, 11 o'clock at night, just can we book a table? And I was like, oh my God, I'm losing my mind. I don't know what to do, how to cope with this. So I literally had a book, which I was writing it, like all the reservations. And I thought, this is, this cannot be the way. Um, and then I, I spoke to a few other people and they said, oh, look at open table. So then I ended up like just, I was like, you know what, I need to just get that done because it was just so stressful. And um, I was just having no life, like literally answering the phone constantly. It was crazy. But um, so then I got open table um, and now, yes, yeah, so all our bookings are done through that, which saved me. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's, I think there's been a lot of adjustment on the fly for the industry generally, certainly from the start of the pandemic it's been a case of and certainly initially it was more about learning very quickly i think as the pandemic goes on people have adjusted and they know they're expecting how they should operate but certainly a lot of people have found that challenge like you did in a way is you've got this new problem and you had to deal with it very very quickly so in terms of staffing so obviously we know now that there is generally an issue but you were getting going did you f- how did you go about recruiting your staff? What were you looking for? Um, so I was looking for originally, uh, I put uh, um, adverts out on two, like, you know, the job websites and stuff for like waiting staff and um, kitchen staff. Um, and uh, yeah, the thing is, because at that time, um, everyone and anyone was looking for a job because so many people lost their jobs. So it was really tough to kind of like sift out the ones that I knew would be right for the like role of the place. Uh, because customer service is another thing I'm so like, you know, really strict on and I really, you know, it has to be good because it's just, uh, as I said, the experience was just not there then. Um, and yeah, so, so that was, that was quite hard doing that. Um, and even now I think like staffing is like difficult managing staff and just kind of like making sure the following protocols and, you know, everything's kind of, cause I feel like some people think, oh, it's a cafe it's fine it's not a big deal and you know but with me it's not about just the cafe it's like it's a brand and we've got like that 
reputation and I and I want to stick to it and have you know maintain that um so yeah so I think other people having that kind of same mindset it's it's hard to make sure because we've had people like within the six months come and go um who don't fit into the team or didn't fit with our like ethos and you know um so yeah I think I I found that the most challenging thing is like staffing to be honest I think you find people are like you say they underestimate or they downplay what cafes are and I think certainly you look at the trends now a cafe and a restaurant are the lines are becoming more blurred in terms of standards. Certainly a cafe is not like your greasy spoon type of cafe that people f- see in the past. You're now looking at top quality food, top quality drink. And like you say, as soon as you miss on that point, you you could potentially be losing customers. So you're talking about people didn't fit into the to the business. What has that changed how you recruit now? Um no, I still kind of recruit the same way, but I kind of... So um, how do you... What's that process? So it's um, like applications on um, the job websites uh, and then they'll send me the CV and if I like the CV, I'll like arrange an interview. Um, it'll be a phone interview initially, then I'll tell them to come in and sometimes we have like a trial for a few days just to see how they are, um, you know, and customer service skills wise. and Because the worst one is when they say they've got customer service skills and they don't have a clue. <laughs> Um, that's really hard um yeah so I think that's the, that's how I kind of do it but even then like some people are really brilliant the first like couple of months three months whatever and then people kind of get lazy um so but I've got a really good manager as well to be fair and she's really good at kind of like you know handling the staff training them um and she her, she's very good at customer service herself um so it, that helps massively um but I think because the first few months we did probably lose a few customers because we had because we were so overwhelmed with the demand. I didn't have enough staff and the staff I did have just couldn't cope with the, you know. And and so I think like, but I did kind of say to people, Look, it's our first few months, you know, we just opened. It's my first like cafe. It's my first business. Um, I've just taken the experience I've had all my like working life and used that for this now um, and kind of just learning as I go along, really so yeah (laughs) so how do you manage your schedules between do you do you use any tools or are you on a a spreadsheet or is it just in a whatsapp group what do you do to keep your schedules so we have a rota um a staff rota and um my manager now handles that she does the rota every week for the staff we've got a whatsapp group so you just kind of pop the rota in there every week so everyone knows they're kind of like what they're doing and you know what's their roles um and then yeah so that's how we kind of manage all schedules because we kind of have the booking system so we know how much how many customers we have coming and we kind of estimate a bit more on top because of walk-ins um and then we kind of just uh yeah allocate accordingly now so um yeah so that's how it works so obviously you've developed your brand you've well do your concept first you develop your brand on the back of that you got your staff and you go and what's what is the biggest What's the made the biggest difference for your business operationally? Like what's the biggest impact thing that you've done? If there's one thing you could pick out, what would that be? I think like I've um implemented a few processes. Uh so like um kitchen wise, you know, we've got like um opening and closing uh, procedures, um, you know, and in terms of food quality, how the food should be looking and you know, so I've kind of looked, done all that where I've like I've got pictures and descriptions of all the dishes, how they should look, how they should be, what should be 
what the plate should be looking like, you know, and exactly what should be in there. Um, and I've got something similar for the front of house stuff as well. Uh, but the biggest thing which I think I've done, which has really helped massively, is I've tried to train everybody in all aspects of the business. So, like, we've um, tried to train everyone on the barista side of things. Then I've got the front of house staff. Then I've tried to train everyone on the um, kitchen, like, plating and, you know, things like that. So I'm just trying to, like, because I know with staff it's very, like, volatile. So I don't want to put myself in a position where if someone leaves, I'm stuck. So I've kind of tried to make everyone kind of like do everything. And I think that's helped massively in terms of on the business, the impact, like if we lose someone, it's fine because there's always someone else to step in. And the best person to step in is always me as well. Like I could do every every side of the business, even from cooking to barista to serving to customer service, everything. The joys of being an owner. Yeah. I think that's so important though in a business like and that's the biggest thing you could do for your business is know exactly what you're doing because I'm sure there's like chefs and restaurants out there who you know the owners haven't got a clue how to like what goes in their dish you know like whatever's on the menu what what compile like even just ordering stock for example um I know exactly what goes into each dish so if if the kitchen staff like I have a way where they kind of order the um stock and um you know, going through like, uh, you know, we have like a stock count and everything like that. So if they try and order something, which I'm just like, hang on a minute, that doesn't even go in. Like, why do you need this item? Like, what is it going in? Because this is not part of our menu. You know, they just don't know what to say. Whereas you get other owners just spoken to myself and they've said, oh yeah, I just order whatever they put on the list. I don't even like think about it. And you know, that's just not the way to operate a business. Like you cannot, especially a food business, um, so I think that's the biggest like thing I've had in terms of operation on the business, which I'm on top of. So you keep a track of the ordering still. So you are your eyes on that all the time. Yes. Yeah. Yes, it, it is. is. I think because it's still a new business. That's why. Yeah. It's a, and it's a big, it's one of those costs. Certainly now with costs are going up and up and up, certainly food costs, you've got to keep on top of it because if you don't, like you say, it's very quickly, it can get out of hand and you're suddenly looking at over you your costs have gone five, ten percent higher than they should be, and you're instantly eating into into your profit margins. So touched on systems there. So do you have you documented them? Have you put them into I know you talked about having pictures uh regarding uh, for your your food items and, and for the front of house as well. So outside of the food, do, have you documented do you use checklists? Do you use anything like that? Uh we've got a thing called QuickBooks, which we use for the stock um stock levels and it obviously ties into like accounts and everything it's kind of one system um so that's really helpful it kind of shows you what stock is low what stock's high but I kind of like physically going and checking as well so I do that on a weekly basis once a week which um yeah I need to probably like outsource that to one of the staff but I still like to keep on top of everything myself because even though I have the list or whatever, I still like to double check because then I I kind of gauge, okay, I know we're not that busy this week or do we actually need that much of something, you know? So because the systems can't always tell you that right as well because every, like the biggest thing with our business, what I've noticed is so unpredictable. Like it's really unpredictable. You cannot predict like how busy you'll be and how not busy. Like one, one Monday we're like super busy. The next Monday we're totally quiet. So you just don't know. Um, so yeah, uh, and we kind of like I order everything through an app as well. So I do it on my via my phone, to be honest, um, and through the cash and carry, and we get a delivery twice a week. And then uh, my husband goes once a month to um, the Asian cash and carry as well. 
So that's kind of how we like do it. And then I get my um, coffee beans and everything delivered. So uh, yes, yeah, so certain things I get delivered yeah. in. And where do you get your coffee yeah. from? Is it a local roaster or have you gone with a brand? So I've gone with, um, at the moment I go with uh, with Ferdy Coffee, um, they're called, and uh, they have different types of coffee. So we always try and diff- try different um, blends, which is nice. I did get approached by a few local roasters um, who created a blend for me, which is quite nice. So I'm trying to, I'm trying to work something out with with them right now so yeah so yeah you touched on quickbooks um obviously that's accounting software what how do you manage the finances of the business are you like so are you on top of them all the time how do you how do you manage it week by week yeah i'm kind of on top of it um all the time um i've got an app for that as well so i can kind of see exactly every day i know what's going in what's going out or what's gone in what's gone out and I know how, you know, like exactly where, because I've got um, a really good app, which kind of shows me in which department what's gone out. So like whether it's inventory, whether it's staff or whether it's whatever it is, you know, like um, it will just like maintenance or anything. I know exactly what's what's gone where. Um, so that helps me keep on track of everything quite well. So even on the app um, for the, all the months, every single month, it's kind of splits everything up into what's where, what's gone. So it kind of just does it for me, which is good. Um, so that's really handy and I literally look at it every day. So I'm on top of it every day. Yeah. So that's how I know exactly with the spending and the, you know, the inventory spending. I know where I'm going wrong or what I'm doing and yeah, keep it up. I know we tried to always have at least a week, every week get our PL. Every Sunday it would be. So by twelve o'clock on the Monday, we'd know exactly where where we were from the week before. We'd always try and get it. So you're always and like you are, you've got that real time almost insight into what the business is doing you need there's so many people which are they're looking at every month doing a profit and loss and sitting down looking oh where are we overspending when actually you're already six weeks behind on the performance of the business so like you say for you to use that tech to keep a real almost a real time view on the financial performance you can react to stuff much quicker yeah absolutely it's so handy to have that like i think that's helped massively for me to keep track of everything because you just lose track of where you're going what you're doing um financially um and then it it just makes you more conscious as well of what's happening or what's going on and like where to cut and everything so i think that's helped me massively and have you have you seen any particular costs that you've had to do that that it's been able to to let you see so say is it on the cost of goods side are you did you you know, whether it's staffing. Yeah, so staffing, um, I feel obviously that's the biggest cost for most people anyway. Um, and I think that's where I've kind of thought, oh my God, like it's getting a bit too much now, especially because, so now we've had like some another round of like infections. Um, so the, since just before Christmas, we had a massive drop um, in customers and revenue, had a massive like drop in, like we've had a lot of cancellations. just on one day we had 60 cancellations it was like really bad yeah so it's you know so then then you think and then the start thing is with people they want hours they want work but the thing is obviously the demand's not there right now and I can't give that those hours out um but then it's retaining your staff as well so I'm just kind of saying to them look like hang in there you know it's not like we won't pick up again we will but um yeah, I need to cut back on my staff cost because I can't, I just can't afford where I'm paying more people than I'm actually making anything on the day. It just doesn't, 
you know, makes sense. So, And touching on what you said before, you're talking about how unpredictable it can be. Certainly a cafe, you can't, you can't risk understaffing and you end up being swamped and vice versa. You could be swamped or sorry, the other way around. You have all these staff and not enough customers. So have you got people on what contracts are that? Are they on zero hour contracts or are they, so how have you managed that situation where you're, can't yeah, actually give the people that's the work. happened a few times where we've done the rotor we thought okay like we know it was quiet on a tuesday wednesday or whatever we know it's quite you know quiet so we've given a few a lot of people days off and then it suddenly it's busy and it picks up and you're just like okay like oh my god why do we do that we just kind of manage we just get on with it because we try and keep like our strongest people who can handle like who can do basically two people's jobs if they need to you know uh, that kind of thing really um but we do um so zero hour contracts um and then we have like students who are on like 20 hour contracts as well um everyone gets at least 20 hours anyway because um, we're open seven days a week um and um we always need like three or four in the kitchen and we need one in the bar then we need like two or three outside so kind of like you know everyone gets a chance and then everyone has about two days off so yeah we manage it like that yeah and and how is how has it been dealing with obviously like you say people are wanting the hours they're wanting the work have you had anyone go off any like leave your business to go and work somewhere else or have you managed to retain them oh you have i've had like a couple of people just for because they're not getting the hours and i'm just not able to give it to them right now so they've gone for like bigger like i think one went to greg's and stuff so you know which is it's inevitable isn't it so and it is from from our business you've got to you've got to keep on top of those costs staff and and yeah, your cost yeah, of goods. The biggest. Yeah, because the pair, those two together, many a successful business has been undermined by hemorrhaging the money through certainly staff costs or, like you say, if you have staff that are over ordering or ordering things that they don't necessarily need, it can very quickly add up to eat into all of that because the profit margins aren't always they're not huge in in our line of work anyway. Yeah, and especially if you want like good quality, top quality food, and you know you don't want it like like for example the sausages I get are like ninety five percent pork, so they're not the ones which you you know you have like your ones which are like fifty percent pork or forty percent pork, and so that they're very like good high quality products I get because it's just that I believe that I want and eggs I get like free range or whatever you know so I make sure and I get Heinz baked beans you know so like it's just the taste is so important to me so I know that my profit margins are not massive because of that um which I know some people would be like oh you know you're mad or crazy or whatever but it's just for me it's the pride of the food like for my food as well um and that means a lot to me that's the same philosophy that I took it's again it comes back to you compete on your price uh, you compete on your quality and not on price and as soon as you start you've got to be that difference from the other cafes or eateries around you and those little things they they certainly add up to at least you know the food you're giving or the food you're offering your customers are going to be as good a quality as you can afford to to give them yeah absolutely and you know i know some people do say oh you're you're too cheap you're too reasonable or whatever and you know but then it's like but then you can't you have to be that mid kind of like you can't overcharge as well and i still want to have a good quality and you know we do give good portions as well um you know so i just kind of try and like manage it really (laughs) no no it is it's it's a challenge for it's so you get so many people saying oh you should do this you should do that you should do the other and unless you are in there and you know 
you're the person who knows your business. It's so easy to get pulled by people's opinions, but actually you've got to stick to your guns because you know your business unlike anyone else. You know, you, you talking about it, it's exactly, I was exactly the same position. Oh, you've got too many staff in, you've got this, you've got that. Like from a staff point of view, we had, you could start off a day and you could have, like we would have in some days, we'd have seven staff in because we had an ice cream kiosk as well. And you'd start off the morning and it would be very quiet when it, sometimes you could be rammed. But then you get to 11, half 11, and then instantly, bang, you're swamped and you needed all those people. And this is where people who see it, just a snapshot of it, they don't know our businesses like we do. So pandemic-wise, you don't know any different to operate in your business through it. Because where I, what I usually ask is how the pandemic, you think the pandemic is going to change how you operate going forward. But is there anything from what we're doing now, having to operate the way we do? Is there anything that can will benefit the industry going forward after the pandemic? Yeah, I think it's the biggest thing is the hygiene and everything. And also like, um, because I started, as soon as I opened, we had masks, we had sanitizers on the tables, we had um, the the check-in thing. And that was how we started so that we didn't know any better or worse or whatever. So I think we're so um, used to, and then the antibacterial, like uh, anti-backing everything, like we've done that from the start. So from the get-go, because we've done that, we were just so used to it. And I think like, that's how, I think that's very beneficial anyway like having that level of cleanliness and antibacterial or whatever, I think it's it's beneficial for the industry because it will make sure, obviously, hygiene-wise and everything, everything's way cleaner. You know, even in the kitchen, they're on top of it, you know, and like even just to like lateral flow tests like once or twice a week, you know, that kind of thing. They're just in a habit of doing it now. So in that way, it's good that we kind of opened art like after because it's kind of like we've just been put in that routine like naturally. Um, so it'll be just easy to carry on, I think. Yes. Uh, any food business, you live or die by the hygiene and your cleanliness. And <clears throat> it's so easy for customers to see when it's not quite up to scratch. And it's very, very easy to lose customers just purely from whether there's a bit of dust somewhere, you know, they think, you know, this is what the front of the, the cafe area looks like. What's what's going on out the back? But um, so your business, you're still very new. Where do you see it going? What's the next 12 months going to look like for you? Um, well, I'm hoping to open like s- some more branches because we've had a lot of demand in like, other areas and we've had people coming from like far away. Um, so that I'm working on that. And eventually, like I'd love to grow the business into a franchise. That would be like my dream. So long-term goals there. Um, but yeah, so that's what I'm working on right now. Uh, we will be actually um, extending our menu to evening now as well. So... Um, before I just used to open to 2.30, mainly because of the kids and picking up them up from school. Um, but now I've got the opportunity. So I've done an evening menu, which I'll be launching in February. Um, so that is actually the immediate next step, um, which is, is going to be new. So again, it's going to be a fusion menu. Um, so like, uh, you know, a take on English dishes, but with a fusion twist to it. And that'll be launching in the evenings on February February. So yeah, let's see how that goes. And then... Yeah. Yeah. Exciting times for you. So we'll wrap this up. We're getting to the end now and we'll wrap it up. So how can people get in touch with you? How can they find out more about Nashta and what you're doing as a business? Um, so we have um, our Instagram, which is um, Nashta underscore cafe. 
Um, and then we have Facebook page as well, um, which is the same Nashta Cafe. And we also have our website, um, so www.nashta.co.uk. So those are the main kind of platforms. You can um, see what's going on with us. I think Instagram's the most and then Facebook. Yeah, I have to say, yeah, like your Instagram, so... if anyone wants to see what a visual <laughs> Instagram should be, check it out because it is, you're right, it's, that is it catches your eye so you've got that you've certainly got that bit right so listen thank Thank you so much for for spending your time to come and have a chat on the cafe hustle and i'm so excited to to keep an eye on where you're going in the next year it's going to be for such a young business to be so successful so far it's very exciting so thank you very much thank you for having me a huge thank you to Justlina there and I really recommend going and checking out Noshta on Instagram. They're at Noshta underscore cafe, which is N-A-S-H-T-A-A underscore C-A-F-E. And it just goes to show that the struggles that the industry is going through, there's still opportunities out there if you can identify the gaps, just like Justlina identified there was a need for this type of cafe in Slough or in her area in combination with the fact that other businesses had closed through the lockdown. She'd identified that gap and you can see just the success that they've had. So there's still opportunities out there, even through the difficult times to create a successful business just like they have. Remember, if you like this episode, please remember to share it with people in the industry, certainly people that are struggling with different areas of their business, because I really want to help them or connect them with people that will be able to help them really grow their business and make those businesses a success. And remember, reach out to me. I really want to know your story. I want to know a bit about what cafes you are running, what restaurants you're running, how you run them. So give me an email at andy at thecafehustle.com and let's start a conversation. But in the meantime, until the next episode, thank you very much for joining us and we'll see you next time.